Hey there, this is Luke, and welcome to this episode of Church Media HQ. Now, you may have already heard that Apple announced new iPhones, iPads, and Apple Watches earlier this week, and I actually did a full recap and gave my full thoughts, if you will, on the event and the products they announced on this week's episode of Connection Culture, which is, of course, the other podcast on the Must Increase Network. And so I wanted to share that episode with you here so that I I, you, as a church leader, you could also kind of uh, hear what was announced and really help you hopefully decide if maybe some of these products are for you or will help you at your church or not. And so I'm going to get right to that episode here in just a moment. Now, the other thing that I did want to mention, kind of a programming note, starting next week, uh, we are going to be doing something a little bit different, specifically with the second weekly episode of Church Media HQ. So it's just going to be a little bit of a different format, and uh, we want to know what you think about it. So make sure you you are listening and that or that you're watching and uh, let us know what you think about this uh, new particular format for the second weekly Church Media HQ episode. And I, of course, want to thank you again for listening. And uh, we are simply looking to try something new, you know, just taking a little uh, little taste of our own medicine, if you will, because of course, we'd much rather fail at trying something incredible than to succeed at doing just the average. So that's why we're going to mix things up a little bit starting next week. All right, without further ado, let's get to this episode of Connection Culture. Well, I have an unpopular opinion about Marvel's latest movie. Apple announces new iPhones, iPads, and more today. And this week's challenge is more of a challenge to me than to anyone else. My name is Luke Clayton, and this is Connection Culture. Welcome back to Connection Culture, and if you haven't yet, be sure that you like, subscribe, and then share this content with others. If you find it helpful, there's a good chance you've got a friend, family, somebody out there who could benefit from this content as well. And if you are watching on Facebook or are getting this content by some other means of social media and you want to bypass the algorithm, you say, hey, I'm not seeing every episode for some reason. Well, it's because what we like to call the almighty algorithms don't always like the content that we talk about on the show because it's not always super favorable to the social media world. And so if you don't want to miss an episode, you can get each week's delivered right to your inbox. All you got to do is go to mustincrease.com slash cc and sign up for our weekly episode emails. That's mustincrease.com slash cc. You can also see the link in the description for this episode and start getting each episode delivered to your inbox every week. That way you don't miss new content. Well, there is a new Marvel movie, and I'm a little behind on this news. Uh, Shang-Chi, or Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, is Marvel's latest installment and their latest character that they've introduced to the MCU. And it's been out for about three weeks. It came out Labor Day weekend, so yeah, about three weeks going on, uh, two or three weeks now. And uh, I'm a little bit behind on my review, and it is getting good reviews from audiences and critics alike. It's also doing pretty well at the box office. 
But I have to confess, it's not my favorite Marvel movie. In fact, it's definitely the worst of Marvel's Phase 4, so everything after Avengers Endgame, uh, which came out two years ago, they are considering Phase 4, and there have been, I believe, three movie installments since then, and six total, uh, including the Disney Plus series. There's been three series, three movies, and these have, uh, so so six uh, properties, titles, whatever you want to call it, total, have come out since this phase four has begun and this is my least favorite of all of those movies and it's in fact it's probably my least favorite marvel movie since thor the dark world um now look when it comes to shang chi act one is incredible you know it really feels like bruce lee meets marvel uh so i was really excited there was a lot of hand-to-hand combat you know uh martial arts and it was really really exciting but then as we get into the final two-thirds of the film it's not so great because it starts to feel a little bit more like they borrowed from Black Panther plus Raya and the Last Dragon. Now, look, you can have your own opinion about it. This is mine. I'm not saying don't see it. I'm just saying I probably won't see it again. Now, there is some good news if we kind of take a step back and look at the big picture. I actually do like the character of Shang-Chi. He kind of reminds me, again, making the comparison to Thor. It's my initial thoughts on Thor. I wasn't a fan of the first two uh, Thor standalone movies, but I really like Thor as an Avenger. And uh, not to mention... I actually really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok as a standalone Thor movie. So maybe there's hope for future Shang-Chi films himself. Either way, I look forward to seeing where the character goes in the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe as well as joining the Avengers. Now, the even better news when we take a further step back and look at the big picture of what this means for movies is that because Shang-Chi is doing so well, you know, it's raked in nearly $260 million globally globally uh, thus far, uh, this is further securing the future of the movie theater business. Uh, In fact, Disney has confirmed its remaining films that it's releasing this year, both Marvel as well as uh, some other uh, Disney pictures, are going to be have a minimum 30 to 45 day run exclusively in theaters before being made available to stream or on digital. That's really good news for the movie. And it's actually really good news for society in general as we embrace the end of this pandemic and move on with life as we remember. Now, as we move on to talk about tech, the big thing that happened actually today, literally it just finished about an hour and a half ago is Apple's event. They called it California Streaming, just some cute, clever name, whatever. But this is basically the event that has become Apple's annual fall event where they typically announce new iPhones, sometimes iPads, and Apple Watches as well, and that's exactly what they did today. Now, I'm only going to hit the highlights. Uh, I'm not going to get too technical. Uh, so, you know, those of you really techie people who think I oversimplify, you know, the tech and everything, I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to keep it base, base level, bottom shelf for those out there who don't speak the computer ease language. So let's get started with the highlights. The first thing, Apple kind of showcased some of its fall programming coming up on Apple TV. If you haven't heard yet, 
a couple years ago, Apple launched its own streaming service with original content. And I will say this is high quality content. Apple's taken more of a quality over quantity approach, although they have really grown their library to include a lot of original shows and movies. Here's what I have found though. Most of the content, uh, probably the majority of it is either mature or R rated. Uh, so it's really not great for families. And uh, they have kind of dabbled in kids and family content, but they're definitely focusing more on that adult level content for that. And again, many times it is rated mature. I know a lot of their series uh, are just have a lot of language in them. And so just uh, not something that you're going to want to sit down and watch with your kids and family. Um, and But uh, they, again, they do have some, it's very high quality content. It's very well made. They've got good directors, actors, and they've partnered with just the best in the business and as Apple would do. So that was kind of the first few minutes they talked about the Apple TV fall programming. Now, the next thing they got into was to talking about iPad. So they introduced the new base level iPad uh, and really pretty much to sum it up, it's faster, it's got a better camera, it looks about the same. This is just, they, they keep this iPad around solely for the reason of uh, education uh, because it's very affordable. It's only $329 and then it's only $299 if you purchase it for a student or as part of a school or even as a teacher. Uh, and so, and really the, the truth is, is that it, iPads are, I've found to be a really awesome computing device. I did a whole episode about this kind of stuff earlier. In fact, this, this episode might feel a little bit repetitive of what we talked about, uh, in those episodes, but, uh, when it comes to being a computing device, the iPad has proven to be a really, uh, viable option for students, teachers, and then just the average user. So this new base level iPad, it doesn't disappoint. Um, it's just kind of more of the same. Uh, and it's, it's, is Apple. They make sure to mention that it's their most popular best-selling iPad. And that is because of the price. So they announced this, it's keeping its price at 329, as well as again, the 299 price for education. So if you're a student or a teacher or in the education industry, you can take advantage of that lower price. Then they announced a new iPad mini. And this is the first time the iPad mini has been updated in two years. And uh, it's also the first redesign the iPad mini really has ever had. There were some very, very small design differences in the first five renditions of the iPad mini, but this is the first major redesign. It's basically a mini version of the iPad Air, and that's what I have right here. Uh, this this came out last year, and I was due a new iPad, or at least I told myself that, and so the iPad mini is now a smaller version of this. It had a lot of the same features, capabilities, uh, as the iPad Air. It works with the Apple Pencil, oops, sorry for the uh, noise there. It, it works with the Apple Pencil. And so um, the Apple, the second generation Apple Pencil, which is the kind that magnetizes to the side of your iPad. So if you are trying to picture, oh, how does it look? Basically it looks like this, but smaller, uh, su super interesting. I've had an iPad mini in the past and I really did like the smaller form factor and size. 
size. Obviously, just got this upgrade last year, so probably going to need to pass on this Mini this year. Uh, nonetheless, it is really impressive. Also, they did add 5G. Big whoop. I'll talk more about that later. Uh, and they do have actually some camera improvements and speed improvements over the iPad Air. Now, the iPad Mini starts at just $499 for a 64-gigabyte configuration. And you might be thinking, well, wait, the iPad Mini is smaller, yet it's more expensive than that iPad you were just talking about, which is, of course, larger. Well, you have to keep this in mind. Again, this base-level iPad, they really should call it the iPad for education because that's who they're targeting to, That they're, they're marketing to, they're targeting those in education, students and teachers. And a lot of times they're purchased in bulk licensing through schools and things like that. And so they're just keeping that around for the price factor. Um, the iPad mini, this iPad mini really does have a lot more to it. It's it's a little bit more of an advanced iPad than, uh, than that base level iPad, even though it is smaller. So that's why the price comes in. And it's called the Apple tax, you know, hey, Apple, in fact, I believe the iPad used to start at $399. Well, now it starts at $499. Why? Well, just because. Because Apple said it and you're going to buy it. So uh, that is the update on iPads. Now, the Apple Watch Series 7. Now, this is... Uh, look, here's the thing. I have an Apple Watch. I, I don't dislike it, but I will say it's not... Uh, it's definitely one of my least um, important devices, if you will. It, I've had two Apple Watches. Both have been gifts to me. Um, I don't know if I ever would have bought it for myself. Uh, now that I have it, I do enjoy it. I mean, I do like some of the things it does. It does great about, you know, some the health tracking, exercise tracking, things like that are actually really nice uh, that it does. Of course, it is nice whenever you get a, a text message or whatnot to, to, you know, check it and see it there. Of course, as you know, I don't do a lot of notifications, so that's about all I use it for in that way. Uh, but it is nice. It, it's a nice accessory, if you will. But uh, for that reason, I've not really kept up with it that much. And here is what I noticed about the Apple Watch Series 7, they continue to add these health features. And my initial opinion about the health features is that if you're a generally healthy person, you actually don't need them. It's things about detecting irregularities in your heart rate and, you know, EKGs and these things that honestly, I'm not a doctor or a medical professional, but from what I understand, they're really more useful if your health is bad. Now, I know there's freak accidents and things happen like that all the time, but that's kind of what they continue to add in the Series 7. And I'll be honest, a lot of what they said in the Series 7 was a little bit of a blur. I'm not going to get all into the weeds of it. The screen is slightly bigger than the Series 6. Um, but I will tell you this, it's probably not worth it for most uh, users, if you're looking to upgrade the Apple Watch, look at the one of the, they have this, they're still actually keep the Series 3 around and the, they call it the Apple Watch SE. Those are much more affordable and they're probably much more applicable for the average user. I will say this, I would recommend getting 16 gigs of storage space, uh, even if you have to pay a little more, uh, because I have an 8 gig configuration right here. And the problem is that I run out of uh, a storage and so I'm not able to like keep the software, the Watch OS updated. So I'm still like one or two versions behind just because I, uh, I'm, I don't have enough storage space to keep it updated. Now, that said, I haven't really found the latest Watch OS to be super useful. Again, this is just my opinion as always. And, uh, you know, it's, it's worth the price you pay for it, which of course is absolutely nothing. So, uh, but all that to say, this new Apple Watch Series 7 starts at $399 and they did not have a launch date for this. They just said it would be available this fall. And this makes sense because uh, if you have 
heard much in the tech world because of uh, the pandemic and some other uh, related issues. The chips, uh, the these these little chips that they use to make just about everything in technology. Uh, there's a chip shortage. You may have heard of that. And um, Apple probably, when it comes to its supply chain, had to make a sacrifice and that it had to delay some things and whatnot. And so the Apple Watch didn't make the cut, at least on getting out immediately. So they are saying it'll be available later this fall. Uh, Apple also announced some updates about Fitness Plus, which if you're not sure of what that is, that is a, the premium subscription to Apple where it gives you a library that you can access of you know exercises that you can do at home. It syncs with your Apple Watch. You don't have to have an Apple Watch to use it, but if you do, the exercises sync directly with your uh, watch. I've tried this out. It's pretty cool. You get, you can kind of watch in real time on the screen your progress as you're doing the uh, the different workouts and whatnot. Um, and I will say, um, when it comes to this Fitness Plus stuff, I mean, I've I've done a couple of workouts. They're um they're no joke. I mean, they're they're pretty intense. Um, and so they they really did uh, do their research and do this right. And again, that's just what Apple does. Now they announced some changes to Fitness Plus. What's new? Uh, new workout programs like Pilates, uh, meditations. Uh, snow season workouts. So, you know, for those of you uh, snowboarding and skiing and all that. Um, and so, and then they've got a new uh, feature coming later called group workouts where you can, you know, sync up with other people that have Fitness Plus and work out together virtually. So uh, that is basically the update on Fitness Plus. Now let's move into the iPhones. Of course, this is the consistent. They are always, Apple is always going to announce their new iPhones during this September event. And so this was what everybody was waiting on. So here we go. There's the iPhone 13 and the 13 mini. As far as appearance, it looks about the same as the iPhone 12. It does have uh, some new color options. Five comes in five colors. Uh, the dual camera, uh, and I've got the iPhone 12 mini here if you're watching. The dual camera, instead of being aligned like this, uh, it's kind of aligned diagonally. So if you can picture the, um, let's see, like, so the other camera's there and the one is here. You know, small detail, but that's a, a visual difference that you can tell. Of course, it's faster performance, got an enhanced uh, chip to make it faster, improved cameras. It has something called cinematic mode, which to be as simple as possible is basically, if you know of portrait mode on your iPhone, this is portrait mode, but for video, it kind of does a focus shift, a focus pool. If you're ever watching a professional film or, or anything you've watched at the movies or, or any or TV, anything, I mean, everybody, this is just a, um, a staple of cinema, is you'll watch things go out of focus. I, again, if you're watching, you can kind of see my camera is focused on me, but if I lean up, now I'm now I'm out of focus. Of course, you probably lost my audio there as well. Uh, and then if I lean back too far, my audio goes. And so uh, that is the, the idea of focus. There's a depth of field. Now, for the longest time, the iPhone, you, you could actually kind of do this a little bit, but not very good. Uh, you had to really have extreme differences. So for example, you could, you could zoom in on something really close and then kind of tap your screen and you could get that 
a focus, but now they've enhanced it to where it just kind of does it naturally and organically, and they did a demo video, and it was pretty good. Of course, it's not as good as a true like cinema camera, mirrorless, DSLR, or whatever, uh, but I, I, in my opinion, this is the most impressive to the average user, and, and me included. It's the most impressive camera feature that they've added to the iPhone in a while. You know, they're always talking about these new, just seemingly minuscule upgrades they make to the camera that, yes, they're enhancements, but most people don't really notice them. This is a noticeable new feature, and I like that. I was I was honestly surprised they didn't reserve this for the Pro model. It's available on the base model, the iPhone 13 and the 13 mini. So they also featured improved 5G. So here's the thing. I'm not a huge fan of 5G, not because I'm a conspiracy theorist and all that stuff, and I'm not that. But uh, I just, it doesn't work very well. It, it kind of sucks, just to be honest with you. My iPhone 12 mini is supposed to have 5G. Every time it connects to a 5G network, it's awful. It's It doesn't get good signal. So I literally went into the settings. I turned the 5G feature off. Uh, so now I'm just getting old school LTE. Uh, so this is something they're touting as a thing and improved 5G. And, and they say, depending on your cellular network, you know, some are better than others. Here's here's my thing. I just don't think it's a big deal. I don't, I don't, I, I think it will be a big deal, but it's still got a ways to go before it's really the, everything that Apple, Verizon, and all the big carriers are promising. Uh, so uh, they, they, they're talking about improved 5G. I highly doubt it's really going to be significant improvement for most people. Of course, when it comes to battery life, uh, it's uh, one and a half uh, more hours of battery on the Mini, which is kind of, will be a welcome change because I will say that the battery life on the Mini, because it's just a smaller and it has a smaller battery, uh, it's not as great. It's rarely, if ever, been an issue for me, but you're going to get an hour and a half more battery uh, on average, and you're going to get two and a half uh, more uh, battery, hours of battery, I should say, on the normal size iPhone 12. Uh, and... Uh, in terms of price, uh, it starts at $699 for the Mini or $799 for the iPhone 12 normal, whatever they call it, or they call it iPhone 12. And this time it's starting in 128 gigabyte configuration, which is pretty sizable. That's double uh, what it was on the 12, uh, and that's pretty sizable. I don't see it being completely necessary for most people, but hey, that's the base model, so enjoy the size improvements if you get the iPhone 13. Then, of course, the iPhone 13 Pro. If you know anything and if you listen to the previous episode I did about buying computers and phones, you know that I am not a big evangelist for the pro version of the iPhone. Um, and I will get to that more here in a minute. But uh, it looks the same as the 12 Pro. They did introduce one new color. So now there's four colors total. They had their, you know, black, silver, uh, gold and I'm not giving, they always have this nice little, um, uh, kind of descriptive version and, uh, of, uh, of the color. I'm not getting all those right, but this time they've introduced a fourth color, uh, for the pro line called Sierra blue. And, uh, there's some people nerds out there are going to think this is a big deal because usually the pro has stuck to the basic color schemes and now they're branching out with Sierra blue. Uh, so it's, but it looks really the same. It always cracks me up how Apple tries to talk about the differences in appearance when it's literally just looks the same as the phone the last year. I mean, but it, it, it's, it looks exactly the same. Uh, now, of course, 
it's gonna have a better chip, and so therefore it's gonna be faster in terms of the internals, the performance. It's gonna be faster than the iPhone 13, because this is the Pro version, so it's a little bit faster. Um, and the big difference comes when it comes to the display. Um, it's the Super Retina XDR display. What in the world is that? Well, here's what it is. It's a, it means it's OLED and it has ProMotion. What does that mean? Well, it means that it, it's, it has an intelligent refresh rate. Okay. Uh, you, if you haven't skipped this episode yet, uh, you're horribly confused because you don't know what any of that means. Uh, here's basically the best way I can think to explain it. Have you ever been watching uh, TV and you maybe have gone to the different TV section at a Best Buy or something and you look at the different televisions there mounted and you'll see that one looks kind of normal and then another one looks kind of more fluid. It's kind of like the movement is more, um, it, it looks like it's, it's, like I said, more fluid and whatever. Sometimes it looks a little bit weird. That is because of the refresh rate. And so... Uh, Apple introduced ProMotion to, I believe, the iPad Pro a year or two ago. And uh, this is where it intelligently changes that refresh rate uh, based on what is happening on the screen. It's actually pretty fascinating technology, but to the average user, you don't really care. So, you know, in other words, if something, if there's an action sequence you're watching on the movie, the refresh rate might up to like 120 hertz. Well, if you're just doing something simple, like sitting and looking at a still, still image, uh, well, it's probably going to be more like 10 hertz. Look, again, I really try to make this as simple as possible, but it's a very complex technology. It's cool. It's fascinating. Again, what does it mean to you as an average consumer? Probably absolutely nothing. Now the iPhone uh, 13 Pro comes in two configurations, two sizes, 6.1 or 6.7 inches. Uh, and the 6.7 is of course called the iPhone 13 Pro Max. Such a mouthful. Uh, and I was really hoping that they would drop the numbers. I mean, goodness. I mean, come on. We call the iPad the iPad. We don't call it the iPad seven or whatever it's, or eight or nine or whatever it's on. Why can't we do the same for the iPhone? I don't know. But uh, it does, the iPhone 13 Pro and Pro Max have three cameras, an ultra wide for getting ultra wide shots, a wide lens uh, for getting wide, and then they have the telephoto, which is more designed for close-ups. Uh, this camera allows a little more details in low light. They talked about night mode. Um, it also is able to do macro photography. That's where you get these really detailed close-up shots um, of, of something. So you can zoom in and get all the details, you know, like the water drops on a petal or on a flower petal or something like that. Uh, they also introduced these advanced camera filters that kind of learn your shooting style. And I, if I understood it right, again, I'm not going to get all in the weeds of what all this means. If you are a photographer, a true professional photographer who maybe does this as part of your income, this is a fascinating thing for you. And you are one of the few people out there that I would say, hey, you might want to look into the, uh, the pro line of the iPhones. Now, when it comes to video, it shoots in ProRes up to 4K. Again, if you are a video professional, then you're going to appreciate this. I think it is cool. I do a little bit of videography myself, but again, I have also invested into the camera for that. So making that investment in the iPhone is just not necessary for me. When it comes to battery, it's also one and a half to two and a half hours longer. Uh, and uh, they're boasting that the 
Pro Max now has the longest battery ever in an iPhone. So here's the summary of the iPhone Pro line, better cameras, and it's where you can get the biggest screen, and it starts at uh, $999 for the 128 gig Pro, or uh, $1,999 for the 128 gig Pro Max. Overall, this is not really a huge upgrade to the iPhone. Some small performance and speed improvements. Uh, there are, of course, the per usual camera upgrades, but you know, it's not really the jump from 11 to 12 was bigger than the jump from 12 to 13. Uh, so if you're in the market for a new phone, consider it, but I definitely don't think it's uh, worth the upgrade from the 12. Um, and then also I will mention this new iOS and iPad OS 15. This is a free, uh, update available as of next Monday, September 20th. Um, and this is all that Apple announced for now, but they are expected to come out with new computers, uh, specifically MacBooks and or MacBook Pros later this fall. So we'll be hearing from them again. You could pre-order uh, any of the iPads beginning today, um, and you can also pre-order any of the iPhones beginning this Friday, and they're going to ship as soon as September 24th. If you know anything about it though, you've really gotta be one of the first to place your order to be guaranteed to get it by September 24th. I used to be one of those guys who sat up till the wee hours of the morning so that I could uh, make sure I got my iPhone earlier. Now I, I don't care. Um, and, uh, but, uh, before speaking of which, before you order anything, uh, you're going to want to hear today's weekly challenge. And here it is. Watch what you're spending on your devices. I did a whole episode or segment of an episode dedicated to best practices when it comes to purchasing new computers, new phones, and so forth. So again, I'm going to link to that in the show notes, or you can go back and find that episode. But I want to reemphasize this. Uh, don't get upsold. Avoid financing. And, and that's actually something I didn't talk about during that episode. The way that Apple and the carriers, you know, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, all of them are trying to sell you your phone now is through financing. They make it seem like the phone is free, but they're building in the monthly payment on or, or installment on your monthly bill. This makes your bill more expensive. And sometimes it really results in you paying for a depreciated item. It's very similar to making a, a car payment on a brand new car. Uh, by the time you've made, you know, six to 12 months worth of payments, uh, you're already kind of uh, many times upside down on the value of the vehicle. And the same thing applies to phones, or of course, a smaller scale, but I've never been a big fan of financing anything. Um, you know, that's a little bit of the Dave Ramsey in me, if you will. So I would recommend avoid financing a phone. Uh, this is how Apple has gotten away and all smartphones makers have gotten away with making their phones so expensive. If you look at the overall price compared to the uh, price of the um, uh, overall price of the phones compared to, I should say, the overall price of the iPads. iPads, which are larger devices, devices have similar internals uh, in terms of performance, are cheaper 
than the smaller phones, which are essentially the same thing, but just in a smaller device. Why is that? Well, because the demand for the phone is much higher than the iPad. It is by far Apple's moneymaker. It is their bread and butter. And so therefore they have supply and demand, the principles of economics, and I'm all about capitalism, so I can't fault them too much, but they have gotten away with making their phones. Literally, uh, you, you can pay thousand plus dollars for a phone. And the one of the ways they're getting away with this, if you will, is because most people are financing their phones. So they're not seeing that big chunk. I want to challenge you, if you are interested in buying a new phone, pay the big chunk. That's what I have done now for years. And so, yeah, when I bought this iPhone 12 mini last year, it was $699. It was a $700 uh, expense. It makes you feel it a little bit more. And it really just mean, it just affirms that you can truly afford it. Uh, and it affirms that you're, or it ensures that you're not getting, you know, again, you're not, you're, you're not, paying for a depreciated asset, if you will. Uh, and so I really want to emphasize that. Avoid the financing. And ask yourself this, do you really need to get the big phone? Do you really need the slightly advanced speed and performance features and advanced camera features of the pro model iPhone? Look, I, I, I said this at the beginning, I'm really kind of preaching to myself here because this is something I've always struggled with. A lot of these challenges that I, I put out here, they're challenges that I kind of gave myself first and I, I somewhat figured out and I've done somewhat well, you know, purging notifications from my phone, restricting the screen time and the adult content, uh, deleting social media and other distracting apps from my phone. Yeah, check, 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 done all that. But this right here, this, this is a challenge for me. I'm a sucker for new technology just because of what I do and because of just how I am. And especially this time of year when mm -hmm. Apple announce, announces their fall lineup of products. So I'm challenging myself as well as you. Let's be cautious as we head into this season. Only upgrade if it's needed. If you just got a new phone last year, like me, you need to pass on this one, Luke. I'm looking at you. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pass on the 13, even though I'm a little bit tempted. If you're upgrading, only get what you need. Don't get upsold. You don't need the slightly faster speeds or pro-level camera features. Settle for a smaller screen. You could save 100 bucks by getting the half-inch smaller iPhone mini. And you have to ask yourself this, you know, for the, oh, I want the biggest one you can get. Is having the largest size iPhone screen really worth the extra $400? That is the difference between the mid-level screen size and the max screen size. And it's a $500 difference between the mini and the max. Is it really worth that $400 to $500? Because after tax, that's going to be $450 to $500, $440 to $550 bucks extra just for an extra point six inch of screen real estate. Is it worth it? Is it really worth it? Not to mention, just because you're upgrading doesn't mean you got to get the latest and greatest. You can actually get a brand new lower end iPhone model for nearly half the price. I, I want you to see the link in the show notes. Look at the comparison chart. Don't let Apple upsell you on all their different pages of oh, all the features. No, you need to just go to the comparison page. I'll put a link in the show notes where you can compare up to three different iPhone models side by side. So you can really see the difference or lack thereof in what you are paying for in these so supposed upgrades. Because when you think about it, uh, when you look at their pricing, you can get the iPhone SE, which yes, is their lowest model phone, but it's only 
$299. Uh, the iPhone 11 is still available for $499. The iPhone 12, last year's model, and the mini starts at $599. And then you get in the iPhone 13 uh, and the 13 Pro, which start at $699 and $999. Now, I know this isn't a show about money, but new tech tends to be one of the most enticing impulse buys out there, and I am speaking from experience. So as we head into these next few months and get closer to the Christmas season, those temptations, you know, they're gonna keep coming, not just from Apple, not just from tech, but from everything, because this is the time of year. That's, there's a reason it's called Black Friday, because that's when most businesses, and retail in particular, get in the black. That's when they become profitable. So they are going to be marketing to you like crazy. So my challenge to you, as well as me, this week is just be wise. Make informed purchases, use discernment if you don't need it, don't get it. We got this. We can do this. Just be wise, be smart, only upgrade what you need and only get what you truly need. Ask yourself, do I need this? And then follow up the question. Really? Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode. And again, don't forget to subscribe if you find this content helpful. Please, you can really help us out by taking a moment to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and then sharing this episode with your friends. Connection Culture is a production of the Must Increase Network, and you can learn more about Must Increase and the resources we offer for families, churches, and more at mustincrease.com. And until next time, I want to remind you to get behind what you believe in. Why? Well, because it's so much more fulfilling to be a meaningful, creative contributor than it is to just be a mindless, constant consumer. I'll see you next time right here on Connection Culture.